rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Harmless Podcast. I'm your host, Damian Burford. Now, today's episode, we bring you all the way from Oceanside, California to Colorado Springs, Colorado. We bring you the Drowning Men. Now, I sat outside the parking lot of the uh, Black Sheep here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where I work. I bartend. I was a manager on duty for the day, and so my head was other places while doing this interview. But uh, it was very important for me to do this interview with this very wonderful band. They came through about a year and a half ago, uh, opening for Flogging Molly at the City Auditorium here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And yeah, i got to say the whole name. Why the hell not? Uh, anyway, so these, these dudes came through, and they played, and they blew a lot of my friends away. I missed the show. I'm not even entirely sure why I missed the show. Um, I know Nathan Maxwell from Flogging Molly. His um, second band, or side project, uh, The Bunny Gang, Nathan Maxwell and The Bunny Gang. Um, they came through and they pl- uh, they play Colorado Springs all the time. Me and him have gotten to be pretty good buddies. I text message him here and there. I'm begging him to take me out on one of the tours of Flogging Molly or Bunny Gang as a roadie, tour manager, uh, fluffer, anything. But, you know, he won't get back to me. But uh, anyway, so I missed the Drowning Men the first time they came to Colorado Springs. Now, my good buddy, Kyle Hody at Premier Tattoos, my tattoo artist and buddy and uh, all around bad influence on me. He talked me into uh, giving these guys a listen, and I, uh, I rather liked them. I rather enjoyed these fellas. And then their uh, PR person, Miss Talia over at Raby PR, gave me a little email and said, Hey, Damien, you want to in- interview these guys? They're coming through. They're playing your venue, The Black Sheep. Why not, uh, why not sit down and do a little interview for them? I think you'd like them. They're along the same lines as, uh, well, in the same, like, kind of family as layering his flask, flogging Molly and all that good stuff. And you know what I said to myself? Why not? I did not immerse myself in the world of the drowning men as I normally do for most of these interviews we do. I kept it a little light, kept it a little easy. just wanted to kind of get get to know these guys. And thank God I fucking did. Uh, This is one of those rare events where the universes align and you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And then the five gentlemen from the drowning men were fucking wonderful, fantastic dudes. And I think that uh, just hanging out with them throughout the day, not even the interview, before the interview, after the interview, before the show, uh, I think I made some pretty good buddies out of these buddies. And uh, they even came back to my uh, little tiny little one-bedroom apartment, and we had a little slumber party, pretty much like a... I was the manager on duty and bartender at the Black Sheep that night, so um, my head was a little elsewhere when doing this interview. And then, of course, throughout the show, I actually missed most of their set, you know, because I was busy uh, opening Bud Light bottles and pouring cranberry bot- vodkas for people. I just said vodka, vodka, cranberry vodka. Um, anyway, so w- w- these guys waited up for me to close up the Black Sheep, do all this paperwork, count all the thousands of dollars we've made that night. That's a lie. We didn't make thousands of dollars, but we did make a little bit of money. And... uh you know, locked the doors, offered them a place to stay on my uh, apartment floor, and co- go out to the parking lot. They're all passed out in the van. And uh, driving back to my house, you know, I got got a couple bottles of whiskey here, and I think we're going to rage all night long. No, these guys just immediately, they hit the floor, and they're out. They're snoring, snoring like motherfuckers. Uh, I passed out a couple hours later, and when I woke up, they were gone. One of them motherfuckers stole a pack of my gum, though, I know, because the whole uh, package was completely sealed. No, it wasn't one of you guys. But that's okay, because they gave me a t-shirt, a record, a CD, and a raging case of herpes. I mean, uh, no, 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 that's just a joke. Anyway, but uh, they're one of those rare bands that like immediately I feel a kinship with, and I feel um, that 
I will hopefully watch these guys as they rise. They were fucking fantastic. Their their 2009 album, Beheading the Songbird, I listened to about 10 times, and finally, as I say in the interview, it just clicked with this little song called The Songbird uh, that we're going to play here later today. I think I think we're going to play it at the end of the episode is what I decided, because it's a damn good song. It's a damn mighty fine song. And... Um, and I just kind of fell in love with these guys. It's kind of dark. It's kind of gothic. Uh, you know, I, I read some reviews somewhere that said uh, they're a lot like Tom Waits, but they're a little bit more like Nick Cave. And then I dug a little bit deeper, found out that, you know, of course, The Drowning Men, they took that name from a Nick Cave uh, book, I believe. Of course, I didn't know this at all at the time I interviewed them. Somehow I skipped over that small little fact in their uh, PR bio, but whatever. Uh, but still, I mean, they're cool guys, cool songs, cool records. And, I, and I've got a good, strong feeling that these guys are going to take over the world soon. Uh, they're, they're just, they've got that right feel. Um, their songs have that vibe of something familiar, something you've heard before, but yet it's not quite familiar. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit unsettling while still comforting you like a warm blanket. Um, I'm going to stop throwing metaphors out there and we're just going to play some songs and we're going to play the interview and just let you judge for yourself. Um, I haven't even listened to this interview yet. I don't even know what it sounds like. I felt a little shitty while doing it. I was like, man, this isn't going so well, but usually those are the ones I sit back and re-listen to and go, Hey, it's actually pretty fucking good. I'm all right. All right, buddies. So we'll, we'll listen to this here interview together, and you guys decide for yourselves. It's the first one I had done about six weeks while battle, after uh, battling a nice little bout of manic depression or whatever the hell you want to call it. One of these days, i got to find a doctor. Please, Obamacare, give me a good, uh, give me a doctor. You know, come on, man. i got to get this head, this brain of mine checked out. I'm fucking crazy over here. I'm hearing voices. Oh, wait, that's just me talking on the microphone. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, so the Drowning Man, their new album, all of the Unknown. It comes out on July 17th on Borstal Beat Records. It is, of course, the follow-up to 2009's Beheading of the Songbird. Now, these guys, uh, when we did this interview in the parking lot of the Black Sheep, uh, they were on their way to meet up with Ritter. Uh, let's see if we can get this out. River City Extension. Uh, they're a pretty great band that I just listened to about 10 minutes ago. I listened to uh, their newest record. The name of it escapes me. Really liked it. Really cool, similar, like dark, gothic indie rock stuff uh, for fans of uh, I hear Modest Mouse and Mumford and Sons is the comparisons I make for, for both the Drowning Man and River City Extension. Cool stuff. And for those of you in Colorado, you can check out this really great tour as they come back through uh, with the Drowning Man, River City Extension. Uh, they're going to hit the Marquee Theater in Denver on June 23rd. Uh, if I can make it, you better believe I'm going to fucking be there. It's a good show. These are good dudes. And, uh, you know, Denver's a little farther away. Maybe we can have another slumber party at somebody else's house. I don't know. Maybe, guys. Uh, so we're gonna play a. We're gonna play the first song off this new record, "All of the Unknown." I don't have permission to do this from the PR guys or anything, but I'm just gonna do it anyway because it's a holiday weekend. Nobody returned my emails, and I want to get this up. I want to give you guys a little taste of this new album. Uh, now, this this first song. It's the first song off the new record, "All of the Unknown." I think I just said that. Uh, the song is called Lost in a Lullaby, and it's really like, God damn it, it is fucking good. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to play a little song called Songbird that I was just talking about a minute ago, which is probably my favorite song off their uh, last album. So, uh, so we're going to play the song Lost in a Lullaby. Stay tuned. After that song, we're going to go into my interview with the Drowning Men. Then I'm going to come back on. I'm going to ramble for a minute or two, and we're going to play another song. All right, guys, uh, let's listen to Lost in a Lullaby off All of the Unknown. Out July 17th on Borsal Beat Records. Visit thedrowningmen.net. 
for more information. Or mostlyharmlesspodcast.com will have all the links to Facebook and all that good stuff up there. All right, let's let's listen to this bad boy. All right, guys, sorry, i got to kind of come back in and do some last-minute editing. Even though the episode's been up and we've had a couple hundred downloads on it, uh, I did g- receive a uh, very polite email from my good friend Talia over at uh, Raby PR. Uh, great PR company. They handle hot water music. They helped me set up my very first interview for the show with Chuck Reagan. Um, cool dudes, cool people. Um, I don't want to piss them off. And I didn't have permission to play that song off their new album. I was just going to go ahead and fucking do it anyway. Um, but I did get a very nice email today going, hey, dude, you can't do that. We've got a plan, and you're fucking it up. That's not what it said, but it was way, way nicer than that. So rather than piss off Tally and the dudes at Raby, uh, we're just going to comply. We're going to do uh, some little last-minute editing. I didn't feel like uh, re-editing the entire intro because, you know, it's pretty stupid and silly, and I enjoyed it. And I actually got a nice uh, tweet from Gabe from The Drowning Men apologizing for stealing my gum. But I love those dudes. <laughs> those are some cool fucking guys. I'm going to go see them again here in Denver. And uh, so instead, we're going to play another track off Beheading of the Songbird, uh, The Drowning Men's first LP. Uh, we're going to go ahead and play more than this. And this was my first, like, real introduction of The Drowning Men. Uh, it's their, like, most primary YouTube video and whatnot. And it's a pretty good little YouTube video they got up there. So you should go check that out. And so uh, it's a cool song. Um, I don't like it as much as I like Songbird. But that's not to say that it's not bad. Um, it's a great song. And I'm just rambling because, well... This is the last thing I'm sure you want to hear is more Damien rambling. So anyway, we're going to get back into this uh, episode. Uh, Here we go with more than this. I'll be heading of the songbird. Thanks, guys.
so what's up, guys? Uh, this is Damien. I'm hanging out with the uh, Drowning Men in their tour van in the parking lot of the Black Sheep here in Colorado Springs. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Good, bud. How are you? Not Good. bad. <laughs> uh, so just the people at home listening on their iPods or Walkmans or whatever they're listening to, uh, who are you guys for the record? Uh, I'm Nato. Uh, my name is Gabe. Oh, Nato is the you know guitar dude. I sing. Yeah. <laughs> he also sings. Plays keyboards. That's James' voice. Does guitar. I'm Rory. Play drums. And Todd plays bass. Hell yeah! So uh, how long have you guys been out for? This is only like day two, right? Day two. Day two. Yeah. Wow. Or show two. Show day two. two. Day yeah. three. Day three. Yeah, but you guys are uh, you guys are heading out to meet Red City. River City. River Extension. City. Yeah, River City. City yeah, there's a band I'm friends with called Red City Radio out of uh, Oklahoma City. I'll probably constantly get the two confused. Um, yeah, we're meeting them in Connecticut. Cool. So, River City. River whatever. Yeah. I've yeah. already forgotten. I'm already back. <laughs> I'm already back on the Red City Radio track. Um, so okay. So you you uh, I've read that you guys most for the most part have known each other since childhood. Uh, us, Rory, Todd, and myself, Nato, we've we've known each other since. Junior high, high school. Right. We all grew up in the same town. Gabriel grew up in the same town, but he's a little bit younger than us. So James is from Boston. But I look the oldest. Yeah. It's, it's all the beard. <laughs> well, I'm I'm about to be 31, and I get like, you're only 31. <laughs> you look like 35, 36. Uh, road, road hard, put away wet, I suppose. Yeah, I got cheese windows open. Yeah. yeah. It gets a little stuffy. So uh, you guys met at what? Uh, middle school? Uh, I, Lip- met, I, met, I met Rory. Well, actually, Rory and I went to grade school together, but we didn't really hang out too much. Yeah. And it wasn't until junior high that we hung out. Cool. And then and I met Todd through Rory and a bunch of other friends that we just grew up with. Like, we just cool. had this clique of people that just you know, grew up together and hung out. So. No, nothing specific brought you together? Just uh, clicking? Yeah, just group friends. Like, we're all friends. And then you find out someone plays music, and then, you know, and then they're in a band, then you're in a band, then you're in bands together, and, you know, and, yeah, all through high school. Right? Yeah. Sends into that. Yeah. yeah. How did you guys come together to form this group right here? Um, myself, Todd, myself, and Rory were talking about starting a new project, and and I and I, I knew James. I met James, and he played. I knew he played guitar, and I heard he was cool or good. <laughs> and so I, I got us three together, and we jammed out, and then we eventually got Todd and, and got Gabe. What was the musical um, focus point when you guys first started? I mean, how you guys have been the Drowning Men since what? Two thousand six. Six. Yeah. Six. What What brought you guys together? I mean, other than that, what was the musical like drawing point? We didn't want. You know, we grew up playing punk and yeah. and, we, and like just straight punk, and I love it and we love it. But we just kind of like yeah, I just want. I'm, in, I'm listening to different types of stuff, different stuff now, and I want to just try to do something different mm-hmm. instead of just straight punk. You know, what, what we've been used to playing for so long. And so that's how it came about. Cool. And we're always on the same page and, you know, James. Yeah, we didn't really set out to do anything in particular. Yeah. <clears throat> we just uh, played music. And we just tried to write songs. And, yeah. and, like, just, like, it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like we weren't trying to be punk. We just knew we wanted to just... Try something different. I quit my old band, you know, because I was with that band for, like, seven years and got stuck. What band this, was that? A band called The Plug Uglies. Okay. And uh, we're just a local band, Oceanside, San Diego area. Um, Badass, by the way. But yeah, I just want to do something different. Cool. Um, 
So you guys growing up together, what what were some of the musical like? Uh, like for me, I remember sitting back and listening to Bruce Springsteen at like seven or eight years old, and it really like being a turning point. I mean, seven or eight years old, being very influential on everything I went to. What was some of the stuff for you guys like that? Was there anything that really like holy fucking shit? Music is awesome. All of a sudden, like that happened to me. For me, NATO, um, I think it was the Smiths. When I heard them in junior high, that was the first. I didn't even know what I was listening to. I didn't know yeah. anything about them. I didn't know nothing. My sister had a, a tape of them, and I just remember like, always liking it. That was the first time I kind of really was like, wow, I really like music. You know, like, and it's not something my dad's telling me to listen to, or, you know. I don't know. What about you, Gabe? <clears throat> I'm kind of like a whole melding pot of music, because I, I like a whole array, you know, going from acid jazz <laughs> to Elvis to acid rock to pop, you know, and just being kind of like the way that an actor is and, you know, that you're good at like many different strengths of acting. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt as a musician. You know, I could tr try and do well on every, you know, albeit metal or rock or pop or this is all musician, good musician. Yeah, I just I wanted to be able to do it all. So yeah, so that's that's how I kind of. What was yours, my little brain? Wasn't it um? <laughs> Bill Bit DeVoe when I was about six. <laughs> you had a Buddy uh, McFerrin tape. Abdul, and dead serious. Uh, like high school, I listened to like like Quicksand and Jawbreaker kind of stuff. Yeah. Like like I, that that was stuff that really influenced me then and. Um, still, really. Yeah. Well, and that, that's what's funny is, like, you say the Smiths, and, like, that, that very first thing, like, a lot of the stuff that I still like and listen to has a very Bruce Springsteen-esque quality, and it just happens to be that was the first thing I found. So, like, the Smiths, the band you guys are in, have a very Smiths-like quality about it, too. So that's why I'm always curious about that kind of aspect about it. It's good no. to hear you have. Yeah. Um, you guys got any any things back there? Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I just went from kind of like the Cure and Depeche Mode and stuff like that, yeah. and then switched to metal and punk, <laughs> and then went through like every genre of punk. Yeah, punk. we went through a huge yeah. punk, like oh, everything, me too. Boy, yeah. to hard, hey, hardcore, hardcore boy, to British stuff, American you know, stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> we just went through all phases. Yeah, and then that's what kind of got us. You know, we played a bunch of that in all different, all those genres, growing up, and yeah. then. They we were in, I, we were in like Pogues tribute tribute bands, <laughs> like we we're playing like yeah. Irish music, you know, folk bands. Now, now, have you guys always played together in the same bands? No, or same circles? Same circles, same circle, cool. yeah. same circle friends. So you guys have known each other since you know forever, and this is the first band you're in. Why is this the first no, band no, you guys are in? Actually, or for I'm, the most part, I've been in a couple bands with Rory in the past. Yeah, and Todd. Oh, okay, um, it just kind of yeah, came together. Like an Irish band together, and I played in a, another an Oi band with Rory a long time ago. Cool. Yeah. And I was like that kid that got the CD from these like 25 year old dudes, and I thought it was awesome. You know, I was still a teenager at that time. How old are you? How old are you guys, all of you? Uh, old. Gabe, old? Gabe's 31. I'm the youngest. Okay. I'm 36, Nato. Oh. Yeah. Nice, nice. Cool. I mean, yeah. Um, Todd's all, got no. Todd's all 51. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 16. Let's just say he orders off the senior menu. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Actually, the first day I moved to San Diego, I flew. I, I moved on a plane from Dallas, Texas. Ooh, that's and, where I was born. Oh, really? Yeah. 
And, uh, I don't claim it. Greatest <laughs> food in the world there, though. Um, and I, when I got off the plane, my sister and her husband picked me up, and I went straight to a Pluck Ugly, Ugly show, which was NATO's band at the time. That's and rad. I remember, like, I didn't even go to their house or anything. Like, I went straight to a Pluck Ugly show. And I remember being like, this guy's rad. Like, I'd love to play music with that guy. Mm-hmm. Nice chili. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and James, the guitar player's nickname is Chili Dog for all you listeners. <laughs> all right. He's greasy. <laughs> He's greasy. <laughs> They're nice. Uh, so, so you guys came together without a musical like direction in mind. What was those early songwriting process like? Fe- what, what was it like feeling it out? We would just play with no, uh, no limitations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I'll come up with a riff, and then we would just kind of... I mean, still, I, don't, I still don't think we've found our sound, and I hope we never really do. You know, I, I, I like to, to always just see what comes out. Whatever comes out of us is is what we sound like. You know, I don't know if it's, you know, I mean, because our stuff now is different from the last album. I mean, it's similar, you know, but and that album's different than the little EP we did before that. You know, and I always just want to keep moving and moving up. Hopefully, yeah. you know. Embracing changes. Those are early to. days were fun, though. Yeah, they're fun like, because we practice like three days a week, and we just wanted to make a good song. And like NATO would, he he's super prolific. Like he writes a song every day, so that like there was always plenty of material to start with. Um, but we would just jam a lot <laughs> and just kind of go off on his ideas. And yeah, I thought it was. It was a lot of fun. It was really exciting. Cool. Um, one of, one of the things like I uh, I've sat down to last week and listened to uh, what is it? I have it written? Behold the beheading. beheading of a songbird. I listened to it over and over and over again, and it wasn't until about the fifth or sixth time it really just clicked and I got it all. And one of the things that I really liked about it is, um, it was, in particular, the song "Songbird." It, it felt like you were just telling a story, and a lot of the other songs seem to be telling stories. Is that something consciously you do? Like you don't I, set I don't, up? I don't think I consciously do. I think yeah. I just, I just how it comes out. This is what you and that's what, I like storytelling songs. Right. Like I love folk music, and so I listen to a lot of it. And so I think that's just how I write when I put it out. You know, it's just I, I like telling little stories and make believe, and you know, so great. Um, do you write anything else other than songs? Like no. Short fiction, journal, novels, nothing. I don't think I have. Any desire? I don't have the the deep. I, I couldn't stay on it too long. Right. I, I wouldn't be able to have like that big of a, a tasks to do. You know, like songwriting is easy. It could just be like you know, instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah. Since it's there, when I'm done with my lyrics, it's there. You know. Yeah. I, I, I would love to be able to write, but I just no, I, don't, I can't. You, know, you can start with start small with poems. Yeah. Or, like, I see the Charles Bukowski over there. Whenever I read his novels, it seems like he's just telling, like, short story, yeah. short story, short story that all just connect, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's, and that's, I'm trying to write right now, and that's kind of the model I'm going after. But yes. anyway, enough about me. Yeah, that book's pretty fucking rad. I, I haven't actually read that one yet, so I need to pick that one up. It's all shorts. Cool. My favorite is probably Women. You know, I read that and that's pretty much went out and too. tried to fuck everything. Which one's the movie? Looking at? Uh, Love is a Dog from Hell. That, so. yeah, I'm, I'm almost halfway because I mean it's just so you just you can't let it go. Yeah, you can't put it. But it's out. quick to read too. I mean, it's not like you're taking in a yeah. page after page after page after page. And then you gotta like create the thing in your mind, and then you gotta be there and all that shit. It's a struggle. I mean, yeah, it's a struggle. I mean, you know, to write. Right. You know, it's like it's kind of like oh, you're always critiquing yourself. You're always looking for better words. You're looking for something mm-hmm. else. You're looking for it to make me have meaning and everything. Yeah. Everything's 
works. And with you know, for songwriting, you want these lyrics to somewhat be be together with some lyrics in another song somewhere else. You know, you want to tie it all in. You know, and so it's yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like I don't even. It's not until like my I have to sing, where my lyrics are totally like done. Gotcha. You know, like when I go in the studio. Yeah. You know, and like, even then, is it ever really done? No, because right yeah. now I still wish I could have changed some things after I already laid the, the vocal tracks down. Right. You know, I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have said this instead. <laughs> Um, do you really write songs every day, every single day? I jam every day. Okay. And I'll work on things every day. On the road, it's a little, a little bit harder to do. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, when I'm home, I'll, I'll play. I'll play a lot. Cool. I'll now, jump around with different instruments. You know, it's just what I like to do. So. Cool. Yeah, you guys do that during the live set, too. Jump around, right? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen you guys live, unfortunately. Like, uh, you guys were just here with Flog and Molly, and I missed it. I don't remember why. Nathan Maxwell is a good buddy of mine. I forgot. Oh, to. yeah. Fuck yeah, buddy. Yeah. I, I texted him earlier to tell him I was talking to you guys, and really? he never wrote me back. But on Instagram, on he wrote. Now? They're on the road right now. Yeah. But, yeah. but he had enough time to write me on Instagram. Yeah, when he I, is on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I took a photo of the sign, and he had, he, he had enough time to write back on that, but not the text message right. I sent him. Yeah, Fucking good man. Nathan. Um, well, you know, you know, you know what he says. As soon as you walk into the club, in technicality, every you know one that's your phone goes off until you exit the club. Then you turn your phone back on. Really? Yeah, because it's kind of like a, you get your mind off of your phone and you get it into where you need to be for that show to do. And I, I heard that and went, oh, damn, but I still haven't done it yet. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe they play in front of 3,000 people, 4,000 yeah. every night. But it's, We're like, it's a good philosophy, too. You're just yeah, like, hey, you know what? I'm off to the world. I'm, I'm here for them, and that's it. You know what I mean? But you kind of, huh. if there's an emergency, you need your fucking phone. You I'm, I'm addicted to my phone and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all that stuff. So yeah. I can't. Ugh. I need to uh, disconnect, but uh, but you guys did a whole bunch of dates with Foggy Molly. How was yeah, that playing in front of three thousand people? Oh, that's dude, rad. Fucking really cool. Awesome. Was, was it nerve wracking? Yeah. Yeah. First, yeah. It was, it's still, it's always. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I think performing every night's nerve wracking. Hmm. It doesn't matter how big the crowd is. It's not like comfortable anymore. I'm still waiting for it to be totally 100 percent comfortable, but I don't I, know if it ever will be. I, I meet people who are like the only time I feel like I'm myself is when I'm on that stage. Yeah. So I, and I'm, I'm like. I mean, I could see that because you're really letting out. You're really kind of like, you know, I don't know, let some things out. But it's just, I don't know, I'm always, these guys know, I'm always like nervous right before we play no matter what. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that also means like you're not like, you know, stupid or arrogant kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? That's like, that's a good, it's a great quality still to portray <laughs> when you get up there. You know what I mean? It's like, it is a fucking scary thing to do. I mean, how many people are watching and how many people are on stage? You know what I mean? I think it was John Tash that said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. no, I'm serious. I think John Tash said, if you're not nervous in the music business, you're not doing the right thing. I think it was John Tash. Nice. Fuck yeah, John Tash. <laughs> we just gave a shout out to John. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> where, where wisdom comes from, you know. Um, so your last album came out in 2009. Uh, your new one's coming out in July. July 17th. And why such a long um, period between the two albums? I think we started, it, just, it just took that long, you know. And we also started touring. Yeah, like we started, we've been on tour this whole lot, like nine months out of this whole last year. Mm-hmm. And so we fit in times for writing, for you know me to finish what I had to do to show these guys what we all can work on and then put out and studio time and in between touring. So it took us a, a year, over a year to when complete this When did we put up album. the heading? 2009? Yeah. 2009. 
three years. That's good. That's a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Because and I think the songs. Two thousand. I think this. Yeah. I think the songs just kind of took a little bit longer <clears throat> to finish. Hmm. You know, we finished what three that are on the album in January of two thousand eleven, and then, and then we finished the rest. Yeah. And then yeah, we came back and finished them up. And we January chilled a lot after two thousand after beheading. Like we we seriously like I mean we toured a little bit up to up northwest and stuff, but we really kind of just kind of hung out, just kind of breathed a little bit. Everyone kind of did their own little things, and then all of a sudden, you know, we got Gabe and, and everything just went whoosh. And we got new management, and then we got in the Flog and Molly tour yep. at the Green 17. And, and it haven't stopped we, since. We stopped since. So it's like, it's been really cool. Yeah. Do you guys like the hustle and bustle of this life? I mean, the hurry up and wait aspect of it, I guess. <laughs> the the it's definitely 12 hours of work for a 45 minute set, yes. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, it's all worth it. Yeah. If you think about it's it. It's even worth it when you're. When you're in a you know a spot like us where it's like, you know you're you're definitely not making money, right? You know, but you're doing something that you love, yeah. and you're um, learning and. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, well, yeah, every it's, band it's had unique has for, to go through that anyway. Yeah. So you know, it's like yeah. if if you every band don't quit, be. then you, something good should happen. You gotta, put it, you gotta get in the van. You gotta go. Yeah. What is it? Uh, fortune favors the brave. <laughs> I believe that as well. I've made John some mistakes Tess. following stuff I like that. I think that was John Tess as well. Oh, really? <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, so the, uh... Jeez. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you want a beer? All right, so the uh, the new album, it's called All of the Unknown. Um, it's coming out on Flogging Molly's like own personal label. Yeah. Uh, how, did, how did you guys meet those guys to begin with? And how did this all come to be? Um... I've I've known them for a little bit because I was in a band for a while who did some touring with them, and um, but and I became good friends with Matt uh, just because we're we're local. Mm-hmm. He's in Carlsbad, I'm in Oceanside, and um, we have mutual friends. And then he opened his pub, and we played there a bunch, and we had a good fan base there. And and the next thing I knew, he was submitting us to the for their Green Seventeen tour, like. And the, all the rest of the band and uh, management and everything, and and then they listened to it. You know, they discussed, and they finally said, "Yes, yeah, let's bring them on." And then I don't know, somewhere on that line, the Green Seventeen, and listening to our Beheading album, they felt they really liked our our tracks and they liked us as people and the music we were doing, and they wanted to sign us. Mm-hmm. You know, be the first band to sign. Besides, I mean, besides them doing their own right. their own thing, you know. So yeah, that's how it happened. Matt. But Matt, Matt's one. Pretty much yeah, ha- up. <clears throat> Hensley, cool. all the way. I, I, I like that you guys have kind of a similar sound to them while still staying completely different than that. Um, it, it, how did that translate on the uh, tours with those guys? Were people receptive? They yeah. were. We never got bottles thrown at our heads. <laughs> yeah. We were surprised. We're, like, we're like, dude, because like, you know, we consider ourselves kind of a like a loud indie band, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, and, yeah. um, well, they've also hit that next wave where they're almost like a mainstream band now yeah. so they've got a little bit different people yeah. watching them than yeah. the punk rock kids True. from 10-15 years ago when I saw them opening for the Bouncing Souls right. I think now it would probably be the other way around Bouncing Souls opening for them oddly enough anyway um, no you know and it's like um, yeah it's just I think uh, I think I think the Irish thing comes from you know I'm a huge Irish folk fan and like mm-hmm. I said like Rory and Todd and myself we're in a like a Pogues tribute band yeah. years, like 12 years ago 
you know, we used to just jam out, and Rory's wife, you know, we're just like playing these traditional instruments, and like we played, played the shows and stuff, and I just love folk music and Irish music, and I, even though like the Johnnymen, what we are now, we don't really, I mean, we're not doing anything Irish, but it must be our it, chops, it must be our It's feel, in there. The overall like drinking feeling, maybe. Um, the way you pick. Yeah, like just the chops, the you know, like mm-hmm. this. The waltz. I don't know what it is, but like, I mean, I could, I would never say no. We not, we don't have any Irish influence because I know for a fact I do. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I see lots of red beards too, so <laughs> kind of can't, can't get away from that. Myself and mine's coming in real hot too. Brown is diminishing, but so you guys have done a couple big tours, and then. Did you go into the uh, studio before or after these big tours, or kind of in in, middle. in the middle? Yeah. Um, what was it like after going on these bigger tours and going back in there and writing these songs with these newer expectations? Were were there newer expectations, or is it the same like root totally. going? There, I mean, you know we, what there was? Kind of we started the record uh, over a year ago, the, um, right after Christmas uh, last year, uh, a year ago last year. And uh, we did six songs at Hurley, um, and then we started touring, and we didn't stop. And during that time, we got signed, so there was completely different expectations when we get back into the studio to finish the record. Uh, Because when we started it, we just had these songs, and no labels were really looking at us. We didn't know what we were going to do with them. We were just going to like, okay, we have five songs, go record them. And we were... Hurley was awesome enough to let us record it for free, you know, track down everything there. You <clears throat> yeah. Know. Teal. What's up, bud? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then, but I, you know, I didn't, I never stressed out about it, though. And even, even though I knew that, you know, we just signed and now there's like, and there's going to be a push for it and they're, they're going to push our album and, and this and that, I still was just like, I just want to write a good song. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, we had a great producer to help us out. Who, who produced it? Um, a guy named Billy Muller. Um, he's out of L.A., smart guy. Really. He's more than a guy. He's a, he's a, a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he really helped us out. And um, um, Who has he worked with? He's done... He's, he's done. Jimmy Chamberlain and... Uh, I think he's a, like a Grammy nominee. Too. He's a Grammy nominee. He worked with uh, Spanish artists. And, uh, he <laughs> we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pronounce the guy's name, dude. He's I think you work with John Tesh. (laughs) (laughs) No, Billy's amazing, and uh, he helped us out a lot. It was this is our first time working with a producer too, Mm -hmm. like um, I guess a hands-on producer. You know, like really like looking at arrangements of the songs, and and like we try a bunch of different things. You know, different even different amps, different guitars. You know, so Hmm. it was nice to have money from the label to it wasn't our own money. You know, because everything we did before was our own money. But no. I, I think that last album, it, I mean, it's, it's still, I haven't listened to the new one yet, but uh, it's still like, I don't know what kind of budget you did it on, but it still has a very kind of big feel to it. Yeah. We did it like a lot. We did uh, a live kind of thing. Right. You know, we just kind of wanted to be live, the guitars live, switching pedals, all our little effects was, you know. And that's the last record, not the new one? Uh, or both? It was Beheading. Beheading record, yeah. we did like a live sound, and this, the newer one coming out and we um, spent more time cool um, I, I I mean you're not going to say otherwise but I, I take it you guys are very excited about this new record 
everything uh, above. Yeah. Excited. Yeah. Yeah. I think we kind of blew it. <laughs> I, I, I was talking to a band not long ago, and they were like, yeah, we, we're totally unhappy with what we did with that last record. And oh, damn. It had only been a, out a couple months ago. A uh, months, and they're like, yeah, we should have recorded it live because we're a live band. And not a, so I, I'm just kind of curious. And it was one of those, like, really? You're telling me this right now? Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, um, I'm just, I, Cool. So, um, so what's next for this this year, other than this next tour and this album push? The moon. Moon. How are you gonna get there? Spacecraft. <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, actually, so we're in tour still. Yeah. Tour some more, and um, yeah, release the album. Tour on that. Um, there's talks of us going to Europe. We're not. That's not. Nothing's confirmed. So. Cool. In Canada. Cool. Yeah. I, I like. It seems like you guys are a relatively new band, but obviously you've been working very hard at it. Um, what's been the biggest, like, kind of like holy shit moment you guys have had in the last like two years, with with all this bigness, like Alkaline Trio, Flogging Molly, and whatnot? I can imagine that's like. Probably just fuck. looking back on everything that's happened that we've accomplished, you know, like, and us being like our age, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like we're kind of like. I mean, if I was twenty years old, it'd be like a lot easier to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and you guys are still working when you're at home, yeah, right? When we get home, we try to work. You know, uh, what kind of work? I'm a tile setter. Well, nobody else uh, works. So I'm, a, <clears throat> I'm a I'm a sound engineer. Ooh, fancy. I'm a carpenter. All these all these things I don't know how to do. I just know how to open Bud Light bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've tried. That's basically yeah. our. Dude, you, I can open bottles all night long. I just can't put the money back into the register. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> And then give give money back to people. All right, yeah. cool. So we're uh, excited about the album coming out, though. Yeah, no, cool. it's it's fucking badass. There's a hit. Is it going to be a hit record? It's going to blow up the charts. I don't know. <laughs> we're, uh, we're very we're very proud of it. So yeah, yeah. the right? charts. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're really it's going to go. It's going to go. Uh, wood. It's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to go. Uh, card, uh, so it's going to go nickel. No, it, it, it's, it's going to be polished wood. We're hoping okay. that it'll go copper, <laughs> bronze. Uh, I, I've, and you know, not to kiss too much ass. I, I got a feeling it'll it'll do pretty good, especially if it keeps up the uh, pace of the beholding. So it's good. That's a great record. I like it a lot. So, like I say, I, I should have emailed Talia and made her send me the new one. But no. Oh well. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we go back in? Uh, thanks for having us at the club. Yeah. yeah. Very excited. Sure. Yeah. We're stoked to be at the club. Really cool. Tonight. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys allow pets too. Yes. The do we? <laughs> yeah, this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes we let pets in. Anyway. Uh, sounds well, kind of way. He's spayed like, and neutered. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> well, all right, buddies. Now, what do you think about that interview? How was that? You know, like I say, that was my first time listening to it. I always have a hard time listening to myself on the microphone. I always, and especially doing interviews, I always... I hear the beats and the things that I miss, but I guess that's how you learn from this thing is just listening and watching and cringing at all the moments. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty good. It's not the best thing I've ever done. Not the worst thing. It's nowhere near as bad as that drunken Larry and this flask interview, which I had somebody tell me was pretty great. They thought it was hilarious. So maybe I should have gotten really wasted and interviewed these guys. Oh, well, we'll do it again on, uh, June 23rd in Denver, Colorado. Maybe I'll just get wasted and be like, hey, buddy, it's my time out my apartment and you didn't hang out? Hey, fuck you. Fuck you. That could be fun, right? 
Uh, no, anyway, um, hopefully you enjoyed these guys. Hopefully you will check them out. They are fan fucking tastic live. I really think they're one of those bands that while their their albums really capture the essence, uh, witnessing them live is a completely different experience. Uh, these guys jump around from instrument to instrument at a time or two, and they really just pull it out and plus they've got fantastic fucking facial hair i can't believe i didn't even talk about their facial hair during the interview um they kind of look like pirates or something man i guess i guess it comes from working on the docks of oceanside california where these guys live and hang out and breed and breathe and whatever the hell else they do that um yeah anyway uh so make sure to check out these guys, uh, their album comes out of Borstal Beat Records. That's Flogging Molly's record label. These guys have already toured the world with Flogging Molly and Alkaline Trio. Uh, this album comes out on June, shit, July 17th. It's called All of the Unknown, Borstal Beat Records. It's the follow-up to 2009's Beheading of the Songbird. And speaking of Beheading of the Songbird, as we talked about at the top of the episode, we're going to play the song, Songbird, for which the record's their 2009 record is named after it's a fantastic song it's the one that really made this band click with me and made me really enjoy them uh before we get to that just uh please visit us on uh facebook at uh mostly harmless podcast you know just type in mostly harmless podcast find us there uh visit the website mostly harmless podcast.com i've got all the other episodes up there uh you know a bunch of cool stuff chuck reagan uh frank turner chris rowe from the ataris Brendan Brendan kelly lawrence arms uh I'm working on some cool stuff uh I'm actually working on some really cool stuff if we can make it happen. Like, and I hate the, I'm not even going to say it because it ain't, I ain't going to jinx it, but, uh, I've got some good, powerful friends at a certain vaporizer company that's working on getting me a interview with a little band that is rising like a Phoenix. That's the only hint I'll put out there. Uh, yeah, visit us, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes.com. Or just iTunes, whatever. You know what I mean. I'm going to quit rambling. Uh, we're going to quit rambling. I say this about a thousand times an episode. I'm going to quit rambling. Let's say it about four more times, buddies. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to leave you today again. This is uh, Songbird off the 2009 album, Beheading of the Songbird. Please go check these guys out while they're on tour right now with River City Extension. I'm sure you're going to see them back out there in the world with Flogging Molly again and all these fantastic other bands that are in their repertoire. I don't think I used that word right, but who cares? It's... It's 2 o'clock in the morning where I'm at. I'm a little tired, buddies. A little bit, little bit sleepy. Has anybody ever listened this far? I know I wouldn't if I was me. Anyway, this is Songbird. Thanks for listening. <laughs>